Hello, this is Daniel Mounter from the Englishman in Montreal blog. In my previous episode, I touched on the challenges and some would say the difficulties of facing an immigrant from the United Kingdom and an immigrant here in Canada. <clears throat> some of the experiences I had. That led me on to internally debate a subject which has been quite central to my life since emigrating and which is still very relevant today. That is the freedom of owning a car or a bike and why that's particularly uh, significant for me. For me, uh, emigrating was a setback from being a car owner and user to a public transit dependent immigrant and that in a country or even a continent where car ownership and use is almost universal I accept that being in a big city public transit is quite practical but the recent developments in public health have led that to be a much less attractive option as has the inconvenience with some of my work. So I want to touch on exactly what owning a vehicle or a means of transport has been to me through the years. In the beginning, like most kids, I think um, my freedom was pretty much delimited by how far I could get on two legs before my parents could catch up with me. And then for a few more years, the range of my little old-fashioned tricycle was also a pretty limiting factor. Um, but the entry of a regular two-wheeled bike into the picture, that really marked a new sort of independence for me. Those three things, for me, we sum summarize owning a vehicle. Uh, freedom, autonomy, and independence. Now those are characteristics that I as a former exclusive brethren follower were taught to fear or to avoid at all costs. And the concept of autonomy was utterly foreign to those people. So in this particular installment, I want to run through a little bit of my experiences in increasingly faster forms of transport, then move on a little bit to when I started to use vehicles like cars. Thirdly, how emigration reset the picture for me in most ways. Also how buying a bicycle here and renting vehicles or borrowing vehicles has helped to a certain extent. And then I want to, if there's time, to outline how I feel about the future of owning a vehicle. How I propose to get around and how it's still influencing um, my decisions today. So firstly, um, to go to my point about increasing speeds of transport 
I mentioned I began on a tricycle. It was a heavy metal, very stable and sturdy little thing, but it required a huge amount of effort to get moving. And I was always supervised on it. It had a grab handle on the back and my father was never less than a, like a grabbing reach from me. And we would take little tours down the pavement, down to the local park, which was called the Grange. There was a cricket pitch there and there was a few fairly safe paths. But I remember one particular thing was there was quite a steep slope up from the road into the Grange. And on my little trike, it was a huge effort because you couldn't stand on the pedals. But as it was directly transmitted from the pedals to the wheel, it was an enormous effort for a small boy to get up this bump. I did make the challenge several times, but I also experienced a huge amount of envy watching the, the boys on their bigger two-wheel bikes effortlessly whizzing up this bump. And visiting it years later, I couldn't believe how big I had previously believed this bump to be. So my first bike, a true bike, was a gift from the neighbor, and it was a girl's bike, which um, didn't lead to any shame for me. I, I was never um, conscious that it was uh, inferior to a boy's bike. In fact, it was perfect because it didn't have a crossbar, so I could pretty much ride it like a hobby horse. My introduction to two wheels was without stabilizers and I think I had maybe a couple of spills before I got the hang of how a human being on a bike is like a gyroscope. My parents made me practice that in the garden. But once I'd got used to two wheels, there was very little holding me back. My dad quickly upgraded the girl's bike to again a second hand bike which was designed for boys. It was an old uh, rally of some sort with a, a huge dent in the crossbar. I don't know what sort of accident caused that, but I always used to look at this dent in awe, wondering how the hell it, it got so badly damaged and what the previous rider must have experienced during that incident. So although I was much more speedy now I had this bike, I was still supervised. My dad made sure I followed the rules of the road and the bylaws. Till I was eight years old, he very strictly insisted that I stuck to the footpath while he cycled in the street. But he taught me traffic regulations as soon as I could remember them. Taught me how to signal properly and how to behave like a car when I was actually cycling on the road. So for me, the point of independence was when I finally purchased my own bike with variable speeds, with gears in other words. And from that point, I was allowed unsupervised onto the streets. Um, my father was not a genius around uh, engineering, but he knew how to maintain and clean, repaint and repair bikes. And he taught me a lot of the skills there. I never had to visit the local bike shop. So we were quite independent with the transport there. Um, so for transport, really, I was limited to two things. I would occasionally take the bus, which is a very unreliable service, into the town centre. But apart from that, I had to wait on the goodwill and pleasure of my parents 
to transport me anywhere in their car in a selection of old rust buckets which they used to own and that for me meant that vehicles at that time, cars at that time weren't associated with any level of freedom but the bike once I was free on the road um, opened up a whole new world to me. I was taking frequent weekend or holiday trips up the back roads to Stamford which is a quite a long ride for me on a bicycle without any gears. I would also ride through the country parks near our home, often take trips out to visit the Neen Valley Railway, watch the steam trains, which previous lab would have had to wait for my parents to bring me in the car. That was an incredibly frustrating experience as they would take a midday nap on Saturdays and I would be sitting at home and able to hear the steam trains whistling and desire with all my will to be able to get out watch the trains. So the bike gradually increasing through quality of models and uh, moving on to mountain bikes opened up these new trips to me. I was very lucky that Peterborough, my city of birth, had so many cycle trails as well, including a green wheel, many, many years before other cities believed that was a good thing. So I used to take advantage of these, these trails and uh, go to see wildlife, go to see the trains. And gradually after our reintroduction to the exclusive brethren, system a bike was the perfect uh, gateway or vehicle to get um, access to prohibited activities my first ever football match my first visit to a pub to an arcade frequent visits to swimming holes cinemas pools were all made possible through having a bicycle i could go out unsupervised and quickly be on the other side of the city or uh, even at another town without any issues at all. So it was very much a vehicle to enable me to do things I was not supposed to be doing and to escape from supervision and oversight. This recording has been done in two parts. Um, I had to break off the first half, so I will see how this one can be continued. I'd left off where I was using the bicycle for uh, escape from supervision and oversight. The same thing more or less came true with uh, owning a vehicle or using a vehicle. At first I had to borrow my parents when I was learning to drive. But even the early use of that car was a a good source of freedom from the frustration of other people's itineraries, having to always wait for people, especially my elderly parents, um, as I could go and drive to much more distant places than a bike would permit, spend a whole day out and have the use of the car. Um, again, the car was like a bike in that I could bring home a lot of things I was not supposed to have including uh, music or uh, even drink 
and uh, I could also store them in the car. It wasn't all used to bring contraband home as well. There was many other uses, and I found it helped me to be a helpful person, especially giving lifts to elderly people, friends, parents, not to mention transporting uh, my large collection of tools when I went to help people, and my camera stuff. So I went through a couple of iterations of owning second-hand cars, and uh, then I went ahead and when I'd secured a new job, I bought the Citroen Berlingo, which was an unusual vehicle for somebody of my age, and more or less earned a lot of ridicule as being a Popemobile, as it was mostly practical. It was also the cheapest option for paint, but although I took the base model, I felt that my own choices really mattered and the vehicle checked all of my boxes too. It was comfortable, very economical and it had a huge amount of storage space in it. Not to mention it was quite a user-friendly vehicle all around. Um, often when people are talking about owning a vehicle they say that the responsibility and the financial drain outweighs the usefulness, but that's strictly not true here, <clears throat> especially in a country which is much more reliable on vehicles. In a sense, my emigration here was not only a reset, but uh, in a sense an emasculation, not just because the driving standards were different here and the license version I received was considerably downgraded from my original one, but it also um, put me at the mercy of the public transit and however reliable or unreliable it might be. The bike of course was severely limited due to seasonal conditions and um, safety concerns where we're in a country where most people are not very concerned about safety. I did enjoy, once I'd bought a bike, the freedom that was conferred by that. Um, I could take it out almost any time I wanted, but the advantages there were lost in the terrible organization. Even with the few bike zones which are existing in the city, cycling has a bad rap here, mostly coming from cyclists disregarding stop signs, um, lack of a true cycling proficiency test. Um, it is more or less associated with a sense of freedom though because I would take my bike down by the river along with my gigantic textbooks and study at the waterside for quite some time and I found people didn't disturb me at that time. Finally I wanted to move on to the frustrations today which are still there around vehicle ownership. It feels like everyone except me owns a vehicle. It feels like uh, my freedom and flexibility are curtailed because of that. And I'm also becoming extremely tired of the risks and the amount of time that you incur taking public transit. 
you're at the mercy not only of timetable but of weather conditions, industrial actions, and not to mention the inevitable time wait where there's no one single route to get to work or anywhere else you want to be. The time transiting between different forms of transport has led to many days worth of time being lost as it were. In a sense I've overcome that towards the end of my most recent working period where I was journaling and recording and transcribing during my commute which is something that you can't do in a car of course. So this really for me underlines the, the various frustrations around not currently owning a vehicle, having use only to borrowed ones, which has been the case since I came here to Canada almost 11 years ago. What I want to move on to now, as it links in with this, is um, to look into what triggers feelings of nostalgia and homesickness in me, and uh, the ways in which I have learned to cope with it, or which I'm still formulating coping mechanisms for. So this has been Daniel Mounter, Englishman in Montreal. Thank you for listening.